1: This is Bloomberg Daybreak here for this Tuesday, the 14th of February in London, coming up today.
2: To yield or not to yield, Japan nominates Kazuo Ueda to head the Bank of Japan
1: great inflation expectations, the Fed's Bowman says rates will need to head higher.
2: A lucrative bond. George Soros loads up on corporate debt as a top JP Morgan
3: strategist says it's time to ditch stocks. Amazon's $14 billion experiment. A time of distress and broker it like Beckham. Those are the stories we're looking at in today's papers. I'm James Woolcock.
1: Plus, taking the air out of ballooning tensions, top diplomats from the US and China consider a sit-down.
2: All straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Stephen Carroll.
1: And I'm Caroline Hepger. Here are the stories that we're following today.
2: Kazuo Ueda has been nominated as the next governor of the Bank of Japan. Analysts expect the move to pave the way for a gradual pairing back of the central bank's bond-buying programme. Former BOJ Assistant Governor Kazuo Moma says he expects Ueda to tread carefully.
3: At some point, Mr. Ueda is trying to find a way to abandon completely the yield curve control, but on condition that it doesn't upset any people, uh, particularly market people or the government. So if the condition is met, I think Mr. Ueda will try to abandon yield curve control relatively soon.
2: Kazu Ueda's BOJ nomination comes as Japan's economy returned to growth in the fourth quarter. GDP expanded at an annualized pace of 0.6%, falling short of the 2% estimate from economists.
1: Now, Federal Reserve Governor Michelle Bowman says that the U.S. Central Bank will probably have to keep raising rates to rein in price growth. Bowman says that the need for further hikes makes a soft landing unlikely.
4: We are still far from achieving price stability, and I expect that it will be necessary to further tighten monetary policy to bring down inflation toward our goal. Doing so will likely lead to subdued growth in economic activity and some softening in labour market conditions.
1: Bowman's comments echo those of the Fed Chair Jerome Powell, who told Bloomberg last week that further rate hikes will be needed to quash inflation. Economists expect core US CPI data out at 1.30pm London time today to show a 5.5% rise from a year earlier.
2: Bloomberg understands President Biden will name Fed Vice Chair Lael Brainard as his top economic advisor. She's considered one of the central bank's most dovish members and recently indicated that inflation could come down without too much damage to employment. Brainard's move to the White House creates an opening at the Federal Reserve, although it's not yet clear who Biden would nominate to succeed her.
1: Bloomberg has learned that a former Credit Suisse employee uh, copied and took personal data from other staff members, including descriptions of their compensation and bank account information. The company warned of the breach, which took place some years ago in a letter to staff. The staff member had legitimate access to the data at the time and transferred it to a personal device in breach of Credit Suisse policies.
2: Stocks may be rallying, but 13F filings show some of finance's biggest names have been ditching equity for debt. Bloomberg's Valerie Titel has the story.
4: George Soros' investment firm plowed hundreds of millions of dollars into bonds last year. A corporate debt ETF is now the third largest holding in its $5.7 billion U.S. equity portfolio. And Soros Fund Management isn't alone on taking advantage of these higher rates. Even J.P. Morgan's normally bullish strategist, Marco Kalonovich, is favoring government debt over stocks. In a note yesterday, he called the equity market complacent, saying they were overpricing recent good news on inflation. He recommended fading this year's stock rally. In London, Valerie Teitel, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe.
1: Now, away from the markets and on to some politics. Bloomberg has learned that the U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, is considering sitting down with his Chinese counterpart, Wang Yi. Sources say the two would meet at the Munich Security Conference later this week, provided both sides agree. Speaking ahead of the conference, the NATO Secretary General, Jens Stoltenberg, warned of the growing intelligence threat from Beijing and elsewhere.
3: We see it in cyber, we see it with satellites, more and more satellites, and we see it then with balloons. That highlights the importance of our vigilance, our increased presence, and also that we ramp up and step up how we share intelligence and how we monitor and protect our airspace.
1: The NATO Secretary-General spoke as the US recovered what it calls significant debris from the remains of the balloon shot down uh, off the coast of South Carolina last week.
2: So those are our top stories this morning. Uh, One of those stories on the Bloomberg Journal this morning that caught my eye uh, is to do with uh, regular office spending habits. Now, it is Valentine's Day, but some things that office workers are not buying each other is lunch, apparently.
1: No, five quid a sandwich. No, thank you very much. Um, Look, people going back to offices, though, Immediately post pandemic, they were splurging. They were going out, they were buying the expensive coffee.
2: The excitement, Caroline.
1: Yes, but look, the cost of living crisis has crushed all Less of excitement. that. Yeah, not so good for, for the retailers. That's kind of one end of things. Then the opposite end, also. So, the UK's new register for overseas um, owners, beneficial owners of property in the UK, I think this is such a fascinating story, right? It's the government kind of lifting the lid on who owns properties in the UK. We've crunched the numbers very interesting names that pop up now.
2: Yes, indeed, the Russian tycoon Alexander Frolov, um, you know, former chief executive of the Russian Steelbook, Evraz, just one of those who's who's featured in this story by our colleague Benjamin Stopples today about um, people who are showing up on this list of people who who have registered um, properties.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You've got James Dyson, who's the UK's richest person, Stefan Pearson, the man behind the Swedish retailer H&M, and yes, Saudi Arabia's uh, al Raji family, the ruler of Dubai. I mean, so many names, really interesting. Also, I I like this piece because we're going to blow our own trumpet, which is that we interviewed the minister, Martin Callanan, around this. You know, this is a kind of effort in the UK to bring a bit more transparency. So, yeah, the piece... um, So, basically, now people who own property tracts of lands in the UK, they do have to kind of declare themselves.
2: What a perfect summary of our diverging interests. I'm worried about sandwiches and Caroline's worried about luxury property, right? (laughs) Coming up next, Amazon's $14 billion experiment,
0: time of distress and broker it like Beckham? The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc.
4: Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie's based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So, how'd they get it? Listen to the award winning podcast In Trust on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Now, the paper review on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The news you need to know
4: from
3: today's papers.
1: James Wilcock joins us now for that. James, it's a bit of a mix in the newspapers today. So some talking about defence, Ukraine and spy balloons, and some about the coming council tax hikes and that cost of living crisis in the UK. The first headline, though, that we'll talk about is in The Telegraph, an eye-catching line asking, can men ever get Valentine's Day right?
3: (laughs) I mean, that was my pivot as Caroline to talking about David Beckham. The Telegraph would say, can men ever get Valentine's Day right? However, what I really want to talk about in the Telegraph is this idea that David Beckham has been approached to top front Manchester United takeover bids. Now, so what I find really interesting about that sports story outside of sort of the love in with Valentine's Day <laughs> okay. is that it is Premier League's most valuable club, Manchester United, and it is one of the world's top three most valuable, with estimates ranging that valuation in sort of four to six billion. Now, given back in 2005, the Glazer family bought it for 800 million in a leveraged buyout, that return is quite impressive. As well as that, the Athletic calculate that nearly 450 million has been taken out of the company, sort of through IPOs, share sales, and dividends since then. But.
1: Yeah, but the mm. thing is, David Beckham may have been approached, but actually he's
3: not attached himself to any bits, has he? Well, this is what's so interesting, about, to me, about buying a company versus buying a football club. They often say there's no money in it, but again, the Glazer family show you there can be money made. But unlike any other company, you have to win over the fans. Mm. So they've approached. There are. It's rumored are roughly sort of four or five kind of big bidders at this final stage, the soft deadline for Friday, and. There have been some rumours that David Beckham has been approached to endorse one of these bids. When Chelsea was bought out recently, uh, Serena Williams and Lewis Hamilton were targeted because the idea being you get a big celebrity endorsement and it might give you the edge in getting the fans on board. The other side of the story that's fascinating, though, is like you say, Beckham hasn't attached himself to any bids because he's actually going more of an investment focus himself. There's often more money for these big, famous celebrity footballers now in starting their own companies and big investment vehicles. I mean, you look at, say, Michael Jordan, whose estimated net worth is now $1 billion due to his investments, not his endorsements.
2: Okay, I'm going to steer us neatly away from the sports news (laughs) uh, to talk about inflation uh, in The Times today. Inflation putting
3: firms over the edge. What's this about? So... I mean, we've been hearing all these grim economy news for quite a while, Stephen, and we go from that to the idea of, well, how do you find out which companies are going to go bust? Well, you talk to the experts, city restructuring specialist AFP of Advisory has told their shareholders expect more restructuring in the coming months. So if the company that gets money off doing these kind of restructurings is saying, like, load up and get ready, that's worth keeping an eye on. As well as that, research by Ernest Young found that 11% of companies issued profit warnings in the final quarter of 2022 Citing tighter credit conditions, okay. that was the first time since 2009 when more than 10% of companies issued profit warnings given those kind of conditions. So we, the sort of the tickers of these big red warning lights are on the upside, I'm afraid.
1: Well, look, if I'm not very much mistaken, we spoke to EY about that report about a month ago. Uh, So interesting, yes, though, that there um, is this kind of building consensus around the worry of, you know, companies um, getting into trouble, defaulting or or being under such pressure. Uh, Look, just lastly, the FT has an interesting interview with the Amazon CEO, uh, Andy Jassy.
3: Yeah, for me... I see this as an uplifting story. so um, Because okay. this is a big tech story, um, uh, Caroline. Amazon have said that they are scaling back their grocery sort of business. They bought Whole Foods five years ago for about $14 billion. And since then, it has not been a big success for them. They have just failed to crack retail. And analysts, there's that an analyst, they just don't understand it. They don't understand shopping. They don't understand real bricks and mortar. Why I find that uplifting is a company that has revolutionized online shopping and completely changed the way we buy stuff still can't crack some of the things, that some of the older businesses, can still do, going into a shop, how a store feels, how it works. But this interview with the FT says they're not giving up yet. They put a lot of that story down to the pandemic and they intend to double down on that investment, although they're not opening any new stores. They expect a lot more experimentation in the space and still think there's a future for the high street and having a physical store.
1: Uh, well, listen, there is, there's one of those Amazon shops on my high street, I must admit, having some difficulties actually getting into the shop because it's all completely electronic. There's nobody present yeah, it's so, so you're it's just sort of
2: waving from the outside saying that looks nice.
1: Well, I had to figure it out on the phone. Come on, uh, I had to get into the twenty first century <laughs> okay, very good.
2: Okay, very good. Thank you very much, James Wilcock for that review of the papers this morning. Well, the Japanese government has nominated Kazuo Ueda to lead the Bank of Japan. He was somewhat of a surprise pick, but what does it mean for policy? Joining us now is Bloomberg's Karimi Mori from Tokyo. Good morning to you um, from London. What is next in this process then? What happens after today?
5: Yes, good morning. That's right. Japanese Prime Minister Kishida submitted the official nomination to Parliament today, uh, and it's just the first step in a weeks long process. So it will be, uh, take the next couple of months to really replace Kuroda, who has been at the top of the BOJ for the past 10 years now. So now that the nominations are official and that's out of the way, probably no more surprises. We can look to February 24th. We'll mark that on our calendars. That's what traders will want to watch because that's the next big day to keep an eye on when the parliamentary hearings begin at the lower and upper house. So basically what happens is this BOJ governor, the new governor, Kazueloida, will likely get grilled on his policy stance and be asked about the exit strategy for the current monetary policy. And it's all part of the vetting Process, but traders will be hanging on to his every word, and that could really have see some volatility in the yen, like we saw on Friday night, with his announcement the surprise announcement uh, that he would be the next BOJ governor. Uh, then, if all goes as planned, the deputies there are two uh, deputies deputy governors of the BOJ also uh, were nominated today. They'll start on March 20th, and that's a few weeks ahead of the BOJ governor uh, who will start on April 9th.
1: Okay, what do we know of the go- of the deputy governors then um, who are going to be, as you mentioned, nominated by Kishida?
5: Yes, yeah, so the deputy governors actually, uh, it's an interesting case here in terms of diversity. It's not exactly what we wanted in, in terms of having Japan have leadership with women in, in the top. Uh, the two incoming deputy go- governors have been named as Shinichi Uchida and Ryozo Himino. Both men, of course, both qualified and but the top three are again, once again all men. The expecting uh, we were expecting the former BOJ official actually Yudi Okina, she's a woman, to actually be nominated as one of the two incoming deputy governors, but that didn't happen. So this nomination by Kishida really un- underscores the hurdles that women face in here uh, in Japan and continue to face in Japan. The Fed, of course, had Janet Yellen, ECB as Christine Lagarde. So the BOJ not really keeping up in that sense. is still seems like a really long way to go here in Japan when it comes to diversity, especially in leadership positions.
1: Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke.
2: And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day. Right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe.